to join me by turning to John chapter 13. Debated whether we should turn the lights on for this time. Should we do that or should we keep them down? Can you see? John 13. Several of you sent me a text or let me know that you're praying for tonight. And I, I want to extend to all of you, I was wondering if you were to think about, okay, I'm going to pray for tonight, what would you pray for? That we just have a nice service. It would be nice. Not a great adjective. Nice. What does that mean? It would go smoothly. It'd be pretty. We'd feel emotionally moved a little bit. I pray that we would all have an anticipation, and I thank God that He has bigger plans than us than ever us praying that it would be nice. That God would speak to us for just these few minutes, and that we would be so attentive to God's Word, and He would build in us faith, and He would do a miracle in the hearts of each one of us. Some of you are here and you've been going to church ever since you were a wee little child. Maybe you are a wee little child still. And and some of you are new to going to a church service. And some of you are here and you might not know this because you just were told that you prayed this prayer and you asked Jesus in your heart. And you still need to be converted. It could be a teenager. It could be a parent. It could be someone that is retired. And so tonight, as we come to the approach, tomorrow being Good Friday, tonight being the night that was before the crucifixion, the night that Jesus was betrayed, I pray that God would hear Dave's prayer and we would have our eyes open and we would see Tonight is Monday, Thursday. The church has called it that because it was they, the word Monday means commandment in Latin. And, and commandment is we just were read to by Pastor West. There was a commandment that Jesus was going to give. And in fact, he does later on in this chapter, chapter 13, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, Tonight I want to look at the washing of Peter's feet by Jesus. Now, I don't know if anybody noticed in the bulletin, if anybody noticed that in the bulletin on Sunday, I made a mistake, I wasn't thinking about it, I put in the bulletin, why did Peter wash Jesus' feet? Did anybody notice? If you noticed, raise your hand. There's, okay, Dorothy did a good job. My, my wife pointed it out to me Sunday night, and I went, Sink! I made that mistake. Thankfully, Jesus didn't die for our mistakes. He died for our sin. Jesus, Peter didn't wash Jesus' feet. Peter, Jesus washed Peter's. Why? To look at that question, why, I want you to think about this scene. Because Jesus 
came and did this Passover meal. It was around the time of the Passover. He sat in the upper room with his disciples, one of them who was going to betray him, and he knew it by now. And it says that Satan had already entered into, into Judas, and Judas was already about his mastery of going about betraying Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there, and he gives them, and he says some things that I think they're still really having a hard time figuring out. Why are we doing this? And why is he saying things like, this is my body, and this is my blood? It doesn't make sense. And they're probably sitting in there thinking, we were walking on the way, and and Jesus said that I'm going to go into Jerusalem. We're here in Jerusalem. And they're going to arrest me, and I'm going to be handed over, and I'm going to be whipped and flogged, and they're going to kill me, and then on the third day, I will rise from the dead. And, and we had problems with that. Peter got mad, and, and, and others said, started arguing about other things. They're sitting around here, and then a, a discussion arises in Luke 22, and they all start talking about who's going to be the greatest. And then we have this scene where Jesus, having loved his own, having loved them to the end, he gets up from supper. He knows that the Father's given him all things into his hand. He knows this is about his hour. He laid out his outer garments, and he began to wash his disciples' feet one by one with a towel wrapped around him. And he came to Peter. And as we know, Peter is the guy that always speaks his mind. And Peter says, you shouldn't wash my feet. This doesn't make sense. The Not even civilized servants wash people's feet. Slaves, maybe. But that's not something a master would ever do for me. So no way, Jesus, you're above me. We think that might be right. And Jesus gives him a reply that surprises Peter. And then Peter responds. And Jesus uses it as a teaching tool. And he tells us about what he is about to do. I want to just share with you three reasons why Jesus washed Peter's feet. In fact, you could really divide them into two reasons, but one and two are into one category, and three is in a third category. Jesus says, I'm going to teach you something about what I'm about to do. And in fact, what Jesus is going to do in washing his disciples' feet is going to have a symbolism of what he is about to do on the next day when he is going to stretch those hands that were washing the feet of, and holding Peter's feet as he washed them, he was going to stretch his hands out and they were going to bear nails. And those hands that served were going to serve in the greatest way possible. First reason why Jesus says, Peter, I've got to wash your feet, is number one, because Jesus washed Peter's feet as a symbol of his coming death on the cross that would completely wash away Peter from his sins once for all. A once for all washing, complete washing, that was being symbolized right there. Because Peter goes, no, you shouldn't wash my feet, Jesus. And, and Jesus says, okay, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Peter goes, well then, don't just wash my feet, wash everything. Wash, wash my face, my hands, do all of this. Peter got excited about this. Hey, if I need to, I need to share and I need to be connected with you. And Jesus then went on to say something. No, 
I don't wash your feet, you don't realize this is a symbolism of what I'm going to do on the cross. I'm going to cleanse you. You are, you are all unclean in yourself. The Bible teaches us from Isaiah where it's, the, Isaiah starts out the prophecies, come now, let us reason together, though your sins are, or, I mean your sin is as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall become like wool. And later on, he's saying, you are so dirty in your sins. You're, you're ceremonially unclean and you cannot approach God because you have not just broken the law, but even your attempts of righteousness has been fouled up by your heart attitudes so that your righteous deeds are like polluted garments or dirty rags. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to wash your feet. And the first reason I want you to understand here is I'm going to do something, is I'm going to make you completely clean so that you're accepted before God. This is, the whole Old Testament into the New is about the cross coming and Jesus in His glory coming to cleanse His people and do what His people could never do through the ceremonial law. The, the Scriptures are, are compelling us as people to see that we desperately need cleansing. And Jesus is whether he cleanses a leper, whether he cleanses a woman that has been bloody for years and cannot enter into worship, Jesus touches and makes clean. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to the cross. We sing millions of songs about this. Whether it be guilty, vile, and helplessly, we, spotless Lamb of God, was he, full atonement can it be, hallelujah, what a Savior. He just sang, there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Or Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Um, but the problem is we don't see it. You might be here and you go, I'm glad Jesus died because I want to go to heaven. We don't understand the beauty of the gospel. And ultimately, a person isn't even saved until they understand the necessity of the gospel to a degree that we go, I need to be cleansed. I need to be washed. I cannot approach God. I, I, I can never come to God. Instead, we all are like kids. If you're in here, you know what it's like to not want to take a bath. Maybe you're out now to the place where you like a bath or you like a shower. I have one son that likes to take one every day now. Not very long ago, he wasn't taking them once a month. You, you don't want to be cleansed. You don't see the need. Or we can be like our pet who runs away from the bath that needs it desperately, but much worse defiled. If you're here and, and you haven't received the, the cleansing that's in Jesus Christ and the free gospel offer to us, you need what Peter needed. Peter needed Jesus to wash him clean and so do you. You need his cleansing. There's a cleansing that you need that every one of us needs. We've been defiled by sin and we need it inwardly. We as a church are people that are made cleansed by Christ's blood. We know that we've been cleansed, and yet 
we are called to take that message to sinners out there because we're experienced sinners knowing that we have a Savior that washed us. And we look not judgmentally or with down our noses at people, but we say, we are just saying, come, there's cleansing in Christ Jesus. Come, come to know Him. We, we're, we don't worry about so much about being defiled by bumping into them because we know we have a Savior who cleanses us. And we know that we can't add to this work in any way. We can't think that what He did for us is less perfect than any cleansing. If you're here this this morning, this evening, and He's cleansed you because you have repented and you have turned to Him and He's washed you clean and you've been born again, maybe you need to hear this message that what, Peter, what Jesus did for Peter is what he already did for you. And you're sitting in here and you're feeling condemnation. And you, you have a hard time going to Jesus. You have a hard time reading this book, even though he has saved you and he has washed you. Maybe you, have, maybe you struggle with praying. Maybe you struggle with pursuing a relationship with him because in some ways you still feel this condemnation. Jesus cleansed you on the cross. And Jesus offers you to come. He tells you to come. The song that we sang, I love. It's for sinners that get saved for the first time, and it's sinners that keep running to Jesus. We sang, um, don't linger. Don't, why, why would you ling- linger? Because you're worried about a fitness. The only fitness that he desires is that you feel your need of him. That's, that's the fitness he requires. Okay, now the second thing is interesting. I don't know if you've read this over. I, I shared about this a couple years ago, so maybe you remember when I talked about this. Then Peter says, Jesus says something strange. So Peter says, so wash all of me, Jesus. And, and Jesus then goes on and says to him, after Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Now what in the world do we make out of that? Think what Jesus is teaching us here is I'm, I'm, I'm bathing you completely and, and so you don't need to be bathed again but regularly you're going to need to have your feet washed. You're going to need your hands washed. I mean, my kids take a bath on a Saturday night and Barnabas and Mary take a bath. They're all clean for Sunday and they get up and they go outside and play a little bit. And they just go over and they just get their hands dirty. And they come in. Do they need to take an entire bath? Well, no, they need to wash their hands. Hopefully they didn't get their whole body or they're in real trouble. But, and here's the, here's the, here's the thing. is For us as Christians, the second one is he's saying, you're cleansed once for all. But you're going to need verses like what John is going to write in 1 John, verse 9. But if you confess your sins, you Christian, yes, he's already forgiven once and for all, but you're going to still sin and you're going to break fellowship with God and you need to confess your sins. And it would be like, you're not getting bathed again and getting saved over again, but you're running to him for reconciliation and he welcomes you back and he is just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The second point is that Jesus used the concept of foot washing to point to the need for daily cleansing, even though the once and for all cleansing has already been. He, he said, 
My foot washing then symbolizes, I, he, he was saying that in a secondary way. And by the way, you, you don't need to be bathed again. You're going to need to feet, wash your feet again. You're going to need to confess your sins to get, again to me. But you do not need to bathe again. You do not need to be washed clean. I'm doing that once and for all when you are saved by me on the cross. Young people here and here, when we have a relationship with a friend or a parent, something isn't right and maybe you insulted them or treated them really badly or hurt them a mom and dad doesn't stop being your mom and dad when there's that breaching relationship but you know things aren't well hopefully it's because your conscience starts to feel really bad yucky it's just not right there's a barrier that keeps you from having rightness it's just back together. It's better. It's what it needs to be with your friend or with your parent or, or a sibling. And so it is when we confess our sins as children of God to Him after we have sinned and are, and are made aware of it, there's a, there is meant to be a sweet reconciliation and restoration. We as a church need to take this and, and take it to heart that when we, can, we are to confess our sins to one another and we are to forgive one another and keep short accounts with one another. But we know that we have been cleansed once and for all by Jesus. If you struggle with a guilty conscience and you struggle, does he love me? Because man, I just keep struggling with this sin. Well, when you get saved and he cleanses you from sin, he starts to do a work in you. But that doesn't mean that you stop sinning, but it means your relationship with sin changes. No longer can you settle with sin and be okay with that. You're going to fight it, and you're going to realize there's a conscience fighting you in a new way. Confess your sins to Christ. Don't make excuses. Admit that what they are, what it is, and trust that He has already said and given his answer of what he'll do in answer to your confession. He said, I forgive you based on what I did on the cross. Couples, husbands and wives, we need to understand this well, the importance of confession in the name of Christ. And forgiveness offered to each other because he has forgiven you. Now, the first two things are about symbolism. Jesus says, I'm washing your feet to symbolize you need cleansing and I'm cleansing. And you're going to need ongoing cleansing, but not the depth of cleansing that you'll have once and for all. You're now my child, but then you're going to need it continuing on. The third is what we often think of when we see the ending of this passage. Jesus washed Peter's feet, number three, to show him Still Peter and us. To show us an example of humility and loving service to one another. He washed their feet and he looks at them and he goes, Do you understand what I'm doing? Do you understand? You're just all griping about who's number one. I saw you doing it on the road. Remember, I called you out on it. I told you I was going to die. And you kept talking about who would be number one. And you're, you're so selfish why I'm dying for you. Your sins are grosser than you think. 
I'm about to die for you, and you're worried about who's number one, but oh, I'm going to come and change you, and I'm going to change your character as you understand what I've done for you, and you're going to be able to serve. Do what I do. Follow me. There is no Christian who hasn't been cleansed. And it means they were really dirty. And then you humbly go and serve others. Truly a servant is not greater than his master. If I served others, you will serve me. Because the Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. There's a lot we can say on this. I just want to challenge you with a few questions. If, if your young people here this, this evening, whether it be teen or below, it's hard for you because you live in a world that says that you are to say to everyone else, serve me. You're pressured at every stop to put yourself first or you'll miss out. Whether it be Facebook or Instagram or texting, fashion, music, memes, anything like that. You do, you want it to like, I want to share this. See, look at me. I, I want to be central. And yet that is so counter the way Jesus related to you and me. It's the counter to what it means to truly have freedom. There's a freedom God wants us to have in self-forgetfulness because we have a mindfulness of who He is that we may look to the needs of others and serve them. Whether it be in our workplace, we need to be like Jesus at our work. We need to serve, care about the little guy, be great and serve. Promotion from God is far superior than promotion in the shop or the office or the clinic or the school. In the church, we run to those hard, unglorious jobs like maybe nursery or cleaning a bathroom, helping fix an issue that nobody really notices unless it's really bad and nobody gets prayed for. It's about caring for single mothers. It's caring for people that really won't thank you or won't praise you, or can't really give anything really back to you. It's about following our Savior and, and realizing it is really good and freeing to look to Him in this way. It means husbands loving your wives as Christ loved His church and bride and gave Himself up for her. Have you been washed? Oh, if you haven't been, if you're sitting here and go, I've played a game in my spiritual life. I, I don't think I'm saved. Hear the gospel call and be saved. If you have been, enjoy it. Enjoy what he's done for you. But and do that including by confessing your ongoing sins and thanking Him for His ongoing forgiveness and serve. Christ is good. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but His blood, His death, His life. He is our, our life in everything. Let's pray. Father.
I do pray that you would help us now as we come down to this table and we, we eat and we drink and we remember what you've done. And I pray that we would praise you and we would thank you. We would love you. And I pray, God, that you would build us as a church. Oh, God, help us not to be content with just so some ho-hum Christianity with Sunday mornings tagged into our lives and just as a little seasoning. But, oh, God, I pray that we would so love you and love and follow your son, Jesus, and we would shine into the world. I pray that we'd love each other and we would serve each other and it would shape the context of and contours of our life. And now help us now as we take of this meal. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to, to go and get ready for this Easter weekend. And I, I want to start by just asking you to pray, pray, pray. Would you pray for me as I prepare? From Luke 15, I once was lost, but now am found. We are resurrected because we were found by Jesus Christ and his Father. Would you pray and would you... I know some are traveling because of spring break, but I, I pray that we would come. You pray for those that have been invited, that we'd come and we would show hospitality as God has welcomed us in Christ Jesus. Would you pray for that? Would you pray about your role and how you reach out and love one another? It's really not about one day. I'd rather us have smaller Easter attendance and growth in people's lives and see unbelievers over the long run change than they show up one time and feel good about themselves for the next year. And so let's just pray for them that God would just do deep work so even people that say, no, I'm not going to come or they don't show up because you invited, even though you invited them, it's not over. In fact, it might have been just the beginning seeds that are planted, the first out of 17 invites, and that 17th one will click and God will use it to bring the gospel into their lives. So would you pray and prepare and pray for me and pray for the worship team and pray for the greeters and everyone. You're all greeters um, in the Lord. And so that's my first challenge and exhortation. The second is, uh, though not everybody has known him, he's a member here, and this is his last gathering with us before he leaves. And so, Marco, will you come on up? Um, my brother Marco has lived with us for the last 10 months, and he became a member here right away. He feels like God's calling him. Get over here. Get closer. Um, he, he feels like God's calling him into pastoral ministry down the road, and he's right now taking online classes with Southern Seminary. But he's, he's leaving, not his mom and dad, though we've become like a mom and dad to you, right? He's my 18-year younger brother, um, and he is cleaving somewhat to Kimberly Miller right here. Um, and, and we'll get married one of these days, and so we're going to... I'm so proud of him, and we need to send him off. And so after we're done with the benediction, if you would just greet him and pray for him. But I wanted to pray for him in the service, so let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with Marco. Thank you for him, and thank you for your work and your continued work in him. Thank you that you've given him a tender heart for you. You've rescued him from sin. You've rescued him, um, and you have cleansed him, and you are working in him, and you work through him. I pray that you would so work in his, his future marriage and his preparation for marriage and his preparation for ministry. And God, I pray that you'd give both of them a church that they can join and submit to and grow in and bless and be blessed. And God, would you just send him off? And I, I look forward to when he can visit again. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to
give this benediction, and then after I give the benediction, we're just going to pause. You can sit down. We're gonna, you can pause. We're going to just pause for about a minute and reflect and pray and ask God to work this weekend and to remember what God has done in, through his cleansed blood. And then when the piano or the music starts playing, then you're dismissed. So here's the benediction, and it's in part for Marco as he leaves, and it's for us all as a congregation. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope of our and appearing of our glory, our glorious God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you in this work. Let's, let's, let's look to God.